Well, hello, everybody. If we have not met before, my name is Caleb, and I'm the youth pastor here at BCA. And, oh, thanks. And uh, today, it's my honor and privilege to get to take some time to introduce our brand new sermon series for the Christmas series season. Woo! Words. They're difficult sometimes. For the Christmas season called Still. And you know what, for this series, what we're going to be doing is looking to see how God is with us, how he is still with us, and how he is still at work in our lives, and that sort of a thing. Now, for this sermon in particular, if you, have an, if you are a note taker, if you are somebody who likes to know where we're going, the title of it is going to be, Be Still and Know That I Am God. Now, really quick, really fast, before we dive into everything, we have to acknowledge something. The Christmas season's awesome. It's joyful. It's great. There's a lot of awesome things about it. But if we're honest, it is also hectic. It's a little crazy. There's a lot of times that we end up just trying to meet maybe family expectations, our friends' expectations. We show up at places and we're just running around. I'm sure I will have a moment where Christmas is a little hectic when I'm driving someplace where I'm supposed to have a gift and I realize, oh my goodness, I don't have a gift. And I will run into Target and I will grab something quickly and I will run out of the store, and I will be late to where I'm going, and I will just hope to make it through the night type of a thing. Christmas can be a great season, but it can also be a frantic one. It can be one where things just keep catching up to us, and maybe it's for silly things like myself, maybe forgetting a gift for a party, or maybe it's for some more serious matters and that kind of a deal. You see, in life in general, though, it's not just Christmas where we experience these frantic moments. The reality is, is that if you've lived life for a day, There's a lot of frantic times. There's a lot of times where we have things happen that we just have to figure out how to react. That we just have to figure out, God, what am I supposed to do? Now, for myself, many of these moments are resolved, maybe even practically, by knowing somebody who knows a little bit more than I do about the situation and circumstance. Now, for myself, you know, it might just be my mom and dad, my parents, will help me through a lot of times when things are a little bit frantic. I remember... About a year or so ago, my wife and I woke up one morning. My wife goes outside. She goes to start the car. Car doesn't start. I'm like, what the heck? So I think, man, I'm going to solve this. I'll go do the exact same thing you did, and it'll not work. So I go out there. I sit down in the car. I go to start it. Lights are turning on all these things. The car won't turn over. And I look around, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. We're, the car's totaled. We need to sell it. This thing's a piece of junk. Why do we own this car? This is the worst day ever. I'm just starting to freak out. I got my neighbors who I love my neighbors. They're awesome people, all these things. But they come on over and they start talking about things. And I'm like, in my head, I realize at one moment, you know nothing about cars. And they're telling me all these things about what the mechanic's going to have to do, how much it's going to cost. Oh, my goodness. I'm freaking out. But then I pause for a moment. I pause for a moment. I block out all of the voices. And I call my dad. Call my dad. I start to tell him what's going on. I'm like, Dad, you know, this is what's going on with the car. Uh, Somebody's saying this is this. He goes, whoa, whoa, slow down. Caleb, go down to AutoZone. Pick up a battery. Put a new battery in the car. See if it starts. Drive down to AutoZone. Pick up a battery. Put the battery in the car. My neighbor walks over. He's like, I don't think that's going to work. Car starts. You see, in that moment, When I was faced with a circumstance, I was freaking out. I was trying to figure out what to do, and all my responses were wrong. You know what I had to do? I had to slow down, stop listening to people that didn't know what they were talking about, and find somebody that could help me realize what was happening. 
You see, I had to pause. I had to slow down for a second. Or how about, when we're talking about these frantic moments, how about two weeks ago? My wife and I, we had the honor of getting to host my parents for Thanksgiving. It was awesome. It was great. Um, We got to make all of this food, which actually means my wife, who's an awesome cook, she made like 99% of it. And I was commissioned with the task of not ruining the turkey, which meant don't dry it out. Don't make it just taste bad for us today type of a thing. So, man, I was, I was on it. I got the list. I got the instructions. I go, I start prepping the turkey. A lot of you in here right now, you're like, it's not that hard to prep a turkey, man. But I was like, I'm going to do this right. So I start prepping the turkey. But how many of you know that family-made instructions sometimes have, like, code words? That you're supposed to know what they mean, but, like, a dash and a pinch don't always mean in your head what it meant to the person that wrote it down. So I start going through prepping the turkey, and at one point, I end up seeing that it says add a little bit of water to the pan. So in my head, okay, a lot of water would be like a gallon. So a little bit would be like four cups. So I add four cups of water into the pan. I go, I walk it over, I throw it in, all these things. I was so proud of myself in that moment. I was like, I got the turkey in the oven. And then I'm trusting the instructions. So I go back three and a half hours later, and I'm like, this turkey's about to be great. Open it up, and I look, raw turkey. It's just raw, and I'm like, what's happening? I'm like, is the oven broken? We're looking around. I ruined Thanksgiving in my mind. I ruined Thanksgiving. I was so mad. I was like, I should throw this turkey out into the yard, but my dog wouldn't even eat it. It's that bad of a turkey. I ruined it. I messed it up. The holiday's going to be canceled. My parents are here. What's going on? I'm freaking out inside and a little bit outside. So I pause, and my mom ends up getting up, and she walks over, and she looks down, and she's like, that's a raw turkey. I'm like, thank you. But then, but then we look, and she's like, hey, it's not ruined. We pull the turkey out, and she's like, here, we'll get the water out. We start scooping the water out, all these things. We throw the turkey in. Hour and a half later, it was the best turkey. It wasn't even dry. We loved it. It was good. Guess what? I thought the holiday was canceled because I messed up on how much water to put into a turkey. My mom helped me realize there was a simple solution, and I just needed to slow down. Because if I had acted frantically, you know what would have happened? The dog would have been enjoying our turkey. So I looked. I slowed down. I saw God. I saw mom. There we go. Sometimes mom feels like the voice of God. But I look, and I say, mom, what do we got to do? You see, today in particular, what we're doing, we're talking about being still. When we're talking about be still and know that I am God, we are honing in on the very verse that that title that we're using comes from. You see, it's Psalm 46, verse 10. The psalmist says, he says, be still and know that I am God. You see, within this simple statement, the psalmist is pointing to a quick truth that is so profound for us to realize. That there are times that God asks us to just be still. There are times that God asks us to slow down and see what he is doing. You see, being still is a very good thing, but honestly, it's a vital thing. It might be one of the most important things in our walk with God that we don't look around and react frantically all the time, but we look and we say, God, how can I be still? Because you see, being still isn't being lazy. Being still is not going and just laying on the couch all day. Being still isn't sitting on the sidelines and saying, God, what are you going to do? You see, being still is giving the space needed for God to fill the frantic moments we may impulsively want to fill. 
You see, when I end up thinking about stillness, I end up thinking a lot about water. You know, I'm somebody that, oh, I was going to say I'm somebody who would want to own a boat, but I'd really just like to have a friend who owns a boat. So I'm somebody who would love to have a friend who owns a boat because I love the lake. I love going out boating. I love inner tubing. I love water skiing, all that stuff. It's awesome. It's one of the funnest things that I get to do whenever I have the chance to do it. But there's nothing like waking up early in the morning and you look out on a lake and the water's still. But you know what's crazy is when you look at water that's still, it still has a little movement in it. It's got the little ripples. It's moving calmly. There's a pattern to it. You can see that there's a purpose behind it. Then the boats ruin it, but it's all the fun of it. And it starts getting choppy and stuff. But when it's still, it's not stagnant. Because maybe you've gone on a hike before around here and you found stagnant water where it's like fully still. That's water you don't want to touch. Because it's not healthy. It's not having stuff go It's having stuff go on in it. It's stuff you would not want to interact with. Because it's still, it's dead. It's stagnant. But being still means there's proper movement within it. So for today, what I want us to do, I want us to look at the Christmas story. Because obviously, this is a Christmas series. Where it's the Christmas season. So we're going to talk about Christmas a bit. We're going to look at the Christmas story to see a character who I believe demonstrates being still and knowing that God is God so, so well. Before we dive in, let me take a moment. Let me pray for us today. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the honor and privilege we have to be gathered together today and to dive into your word. Lord, we just ask that you go ahead of us and you prepare our hearts, prepare our spirits, Lord, to receive all that you have. That God, as we read out of the Bible, out of the living word of God, that you have things that you said in the past that still impact us today. So God, may you go ahead of us. And Lord, I just pray right now for those in this room who feel like life is frantic and crazy and things just keep being thrown at them. And God, they don't know how to react. Lord, I pray today you encourage them to see how they can be still in the midst of life and that you are a God who is still at work. Lord, we thank you, we praise you in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you were to look for the Christmas story, and maybe if you're a little bit new to church, faith, the Bible, that sort of a thing, you would find that it's in two of the Gospels. It's in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. For today, we're going to hone in on the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You can follow along on the screen as I read. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they, could had, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. For this story today, we're going to hone in, focus in on the character Joseph. We're going to be looking to see Joseph, Mary's husband and Jesus' father figure, and see the way in which he chooses to react in a situation, in a circumstance, I don't know about you, I couldn't imagine being in. 
Looking to see how he reacts, I think, is something key today because I specifically think that there are three things about being still from the reaction of Joseph that we can adapt, adopt to our lives, that we can walk in and realize, and we will be able to better see all that God is doing within us. And so if we're talking about three things that we see Joseph do in his reaction, well, what are those things? I'm so glad you asked. It's very nice of you. The first one's this. Being still helps us see what God is wanting to do. Being still helps us see what God is wanting to do. When we look at Joseph in this moment, this is pretty crazy. It's a pretty wild thing to wake up one day to. Joseph, you know, I bet he had some feelings going on. I bet when he woke up and he finds out that Mary's pregnant, he's probably first confused. His, his wife's now pregnant. He's just like, what the heck? How'd this happen? That leads to the next one. He's perplexed. He can't think of a solution that involves himself in any way. So he doesn't know what's going on. And then guess what? Number three, he's hurt. Because every solution that he can think through in his mind in that moment all ends in a hurtful result for himself. So Joseph, he's confused, he's perplexed, he's hurt. You know what? He doesn't understand what's going on. But something that I love is that we see his reaction. We see his reaction. We see that Joseph, the woman that he is pledged to be married to, the woman that he's engaged with, is pregnant with child. It's not his. And what does he do? He reacts righteously and he reacts with mercy. Joseph reacts righteously and he reacts with mercy. You see, what Joseph's doing in this moment is he is letting God's model for how to live, how to act, fuel his reaction. He had a lot of reactions he could have done. He had a lot of things he could have done in response that probably would have been very justified. But he looked and what did he say? He said, I will react righteously and I will react with mercy. You see, for us, let's just be honest, life sometimes hits us every day, sometimes every hour. We try to figure out what's going on, but guess what? We end up feeling confused about why it's happening. We're perplexed about how we got there, and guess what? Oftentimes, we end up a bit hurt. We have times that we do not understand why something is happening to us, why something is going on, why a situation or a circumstance has to be the way it is. And we sit back, and we have to say, how will we react? because we don't have the full picture yet. Yet, what I love about Joseph and his response, Joseph responds in a way that honors God before the angel ever visits him. It ends up saying that he has the angel appear to him in a dream and explains to him what's going on. Man, I'll tell you this, I wish I could go to God and I could say, Lord, I'm gonna take a 10-minute nap. Can you send an angel? I would like a quick explanation. I'll wake up, I'll be on it. I'll be good. Let's just be honest. That's how a lot of us kind of act with God. God, you show me where this is going, and then I will honor you. But the reality is, is what did Joseph do? It says he honored the law. It says he knows the scriptures. He knows what God has. So what does he see? He sees the way that God has called him to live, and he sees the way that his God is towards him. His God is a God of righteousness and a God of mercy. He ends up looking, and he ends up seeing, yes, From his point of view, before the angel appears, he looks and says, I'm pledged to be married to Mary. She's pledged to be my wife. But this is not how this was supposed to start. So he looks and he, to his best ability, says, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to see what can happen. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to end this engagement. Because it was a big deal. 
Oh my goodness. For us, when we think of an engagement, we just think of a ring and like a vague promise. For them, it was the reality that when they were engaged, they were very much so married. They just had not stepped into the fullness of that covenant yet. They hadn't stepped into the fullness of that commitment, but in their culture, in their time, for Joseph to say, we are going to get divorced, was to have it be a full-on separation. It was a big deal. And so Joseph looks and he says, we're going to do this, but he's saying, I'm going to do it quietly with mercy. I'm going to do this the best I can. You see, there's a reality that in our lives, as life is hitting us and we're having circumstances approach us, we look to God and say, God, what should I do? But the reality is he already has told us in his word. The reality is, is in his word, he has already told us so many ways we can respond and react to things. And that is how Joseph is reacting. He's reacting with stillness. He's not being frantic. He's not walking in, starting to yell, scream, trying to figure this out. He looks and says, you know what? Okay. God, what does your word say? I'm going to do my best to honor that. But God, you're also a God of mercy. What can I do? You see, for a lot of us, you you're waiting for an angel to appear to you in a dream or something. And maybe that'll happen. I won't put it past God. But are you in his word to see how he's already called you to react when that situation has arose? Does God already have in mind something you can be doing? You see, because the reality is for Joseph, he starts to honor God in the way he is living already with righteousness and mercy. And what does it do? It creates the opportunity for God to present to him the fullness of the circumstance. It helps Joseph be led in on the reality of what Jesus is being brought to this earth to do. It allows him to be able to hear what God is wanting to have happen. You see, the reality is, is as we're walking throughout life, we have to recognize and realize the fact that God is a God who does not waste anything. Hey, if you've heard me preach before, you've probably heard me reference this verse, but I think it's one that's so important for us to realize. It's Romans 8, 28. It says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Focusing on this for one moment, though, God works all things. Doesn't mean all things are good. Joseph, well before Paul ever penned these verses, was walking in that reality. He knew, God, you can work this for good, so I will act righteously. I will walk as you have directed me in your scriptures. I will do the best I can. I will know that, Lord, although I am confused, I'm hurt, I don't know what's happening or how there could be benefit from this, you will not waste it. You won't waste it. And when we walk with God with that mindset, guess what? He's going to help us see the fullness of what's going on, the fullness of our circumstance. So when we're still, it helps God show us what all is happening. Second thing, being still helps us look past other influences. Oh man, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. Man, even Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to make Thanksgiving side dishes and things like that. You ask everybody, everybody's got a way that gravy's made. Everybody's got the best way to make your stuffing everybody's got the best casserole dish you got to make. Everybody's got an opinion about how you got to do it. And you know what? That's just with Thanksgiving dinner. How much do we also see the fact that people have opinions about anything within our lives? And guess what? Joseph is no different. Joseph is no different. He's got some people that got some things they're trying to influence him towards. Joseph in this moment, you know, he probably had a cultural influence a religious and cultural influence that would have looked at him and said, Joseph, 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 Mary is 
pregnant with child and you're only engaged? Well, there's two assumptions here, Joseph. Either the child's yours or it's not, and there's been sin involved within this circumstance. They're confused about it. So what would they have said? They would have said, you need to publicly divorce her. Publicly divorce her. Put her in front of the people and let them do as they will. Let them shun her. Let them do what they will to show that this is not okay. Joseph, you need to do the right thing based off of what we think. You know, Joseph probably had some friends and family that would have looked at him and said, Joseph, you're thinking about divorcing her quietly? Joseph, you don't bring clarity to this. People are going to be confused. They're going to think things, Joseph. Joseph, if you divorce her quietly, they might think that it's your child and you're just trying to leave her and the kid. That'll bring shame upon you. What are you doing? Joseph, you got to do He's hearing influences. Probably his own expectations. I can't imagine. In this moment, his reaction, what he's thinking, how he thought his life was going to go, how he thought his stuff was supposed to turn out. And he's looking, he's having all these influences barrage him and come in to be able to speak to him on what he needs to do. But what does Joseph end up doing? Joseph looks and says, I do not care about God and so and so. I care about God only. I care about what God's voice has to say to this. So he pauses. He, re- he decides to be still. He decides to be still and do what he can. You see, for all of us, there are times where opinions run rampant and everybody's got a thing to say to us, Right? You know, think about it. We end up having influences around us, outside influences like family, like friends, like the news, pop culture, maybe even your own expectations. Man, how often do our own expectations for our life make us not want to be obedient to God? Because if God has started to present something before you that you're supposed to step into and it starts to look different than the plan you had for your life, for your success, for what you wanted to do, how much does that influence start to shift the way you would react to God. You see, we have all of these voices, all of these things trying to speak to us, but the reality is, is that when we are still, when we pause, when we slow down, when we choose not to be frantic, we are able to listen for the most important voice around us, and we are able to take that time to hear what God has to say. We are able to take that time to hear where He is wanting to lead us. You see, if we just end up putting our, we put a hood on and we just pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we're saying, I'm going to get through this tough world, and I'm taking my steps, you will end up drowning out the voice of God for the crowd yelling at you on the sides. You will end up listening to everybody else around you because you're not willing to swallow your pride for a moment and say, God, I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to see how are you calling me to react? How are you calling me to do this? Joseph, in this moment, Before he even knows what all God is doing, he looked and said, God, it's you and me, and what do I need to do to honor you right now? We need to close out the other influences. The third and final thing this is this. Being still doesn't mean we do nothing. See, being still, it's going to help us to see all God's doing. Being still is going to help us silence other influences, but being still doesn't mean we do nothing. Man, people end up misinterpreting this psalmist so often, I feel like. The psalm that this whole message is based around. They end up looking and they end up making it seem like it's saying, do nothing and know I'm God. Do nothing and see who I am. Do nothing and see that I will. That's not what it says. It says, be still and know that I am God. No, being still means don't be frantic, not be lazy. How often have we gone to God, and I'm including myself in this, how often we go to God and we say, God, can you just figure this out? I'm just going to sit back. I can't really do much anymore. 
But the reality is, is that when we are still before him, we are realizing the small things we are to do. Something I love about Joseph's story, and I'm going to belabor this point because I want you to really hear it. We end up looking and we end up saying, man, Joseph had an angel appear to him. That must have made it really easy. No, 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 no. Joseph, before the angel ever showed up, honored God. Are you willing to honor God before he ever gives you clarity? Are you willing to walk with God and be still before him and say, you know what, my reactions will be slow. They will be mindful. They will be thoughtful. They will be prayerful. Before I even know where this is all going, God, I will fight to be righteous. I will fight to be merciful. I will fight to walk as you would. Joseph's reaction to divorce her quietly, he was looking, he was saying, how can I have mercy and protect Mary? Think of that. Before he knows what all is going on, he's still looking and saying, what can I do for you? How can we walk through this together? Being still does not mean that we sit back. Being still means we lean in. Think of it as a child. Think about it, if you're talking about me as a child, until I was 19. Running around, doing all these different things. And there's times where my parents just wanted me to be still for a moment so I could hear what they were actually trying to say. Being still didn't mean I went to my room, closed the door, and took a nap. That would have been a whole other response from my parents. Being still meant I paused for a moment to actually hear what they had to say. Being still meant I actually took the time to listen and see where they were leading me. Being still means that we have to go before God and say, God, what are you wanting to do? What do you have here? I I love the Christmas season because I love celebrating the fact that we serve a God who looked down at our problems. He said, I'm going to solve it. That that Jesus chooses to be born. 100% God, 100% man. It says that Jesus ends up, it says in Galatians, he empties himself of his Godhood type of a thing. Because he wasn't trying to have any cheat codes to this life or anything. He looked and he said, you know what? I'm not going to have any upper hand. I will be the ultimate sacrifice. I will walk with you. I will take on all the burden. And I see this moment demonstrated so well because as we celebrate Christmas, it begins our march towards Easter. When we get to remember and celebrate the death, burial, and triumphant resurrection of Jesus. And when I end up thinking about Easter, I so often end up thinking about the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, if you're new to church or the Bible or to Jesus in general, let me give you a quick Cliff Notes version of it. Jesus, on the night that he was going to be betrayed by one of his closest friends, being handed over to authorities, falsely accused of so many things and all these deals, he grabs some of his true closest friends. And he takes them out to this garden place. And he goes up to them and he says, can you go off and pray for me? They go off, they start praying. He goes off by himself and he kneels down and he starts to pray to the Father. Jesus, in the midst of this moment, he knows what's going to happen. He knows the pain that's going to take place. He knows the severity of the circumstance. He realizes it. The tension of the world is starting to be on his shoulders. And he prays to the Father and he says, if you can take this cup from me, please do. He's looking and he's saying to the Father, I realize what's about to be here. If you could take it away, if there's another path, I realize the weight of it and it's a lot. But he follows it up. The prayer doesn't end there. He then says, but not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' most tension-filled moment, when he either could have ran or chosen to look and say, we're going forward with the plan. 
when he was feeling the weight of the world, what was his reaction? He chose to be still. He chose to not run around frantically. He chose to be still and look and say, God, help me see the path. God, give me the strength. God, help me to do what I need to do. See, for Joseph and for Jesus, their prayer in the midst of grave circumstance was not, God, what can you do for me? It was, God, what can I do right now? God, what is my response? What is my action? It came through being still. And so today, if everything's just kind of flying around that sort of a thing, the bottom line that I want you just to hold on to is that when life hits you, still be with God. Why is this the bottom line? It's because to be still before God means you are still with God. To be still before him is to pause, to be in his presence, to look and say, God, what do you want me to do? But it means that you have to still be with him. When life gets difficult, it's so often that we scatter and run about. It's so common that we look to everything else for relief and reprieve from our circumstances. But are you willing to slow down, to pause and say, God, life's getting difficult. I'm still here though. Life's difficult, but I'm still here, God. Life's difficult, but you are still God. You are God, no matter what I walk through. You see, during this season and throughout this year, whatever circumstance you're walking through, if you're feeling frantic right now, if you feel like you don't know how to respond to the things in your life, if you're trying just to figure out how to move forward, I want to encourage you to reflect on the reality of this season that we serve a God who saw the problems that we made and said he would fix them. How would he do it? By being born of a virgin to a father who was perplexed by what was happening. And he would one day grow up to be the savior of the world, dying a very literal death in our place and raising again to free us and give us a hope for what? For yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You see, when life hits you, be still and know that he is still God. Know that he still cares. Know that he's still there. Know that he's still at work. Know that he's not done yet. And so right now, as we begin to wrap up and to close things, I, if you're able, may you stand with me. I want to take a moment. I just want to pray for us today. I want to take a moment to pray for us because there's a reality that we are talking about God still being at work. There are times it does not feel like he is. There are times where life is pushing us so much that we are trying to figure out just what we can do. And today we need God to give us the strength to still be with him. And so right now you can't get the youth pastor out of me. So I'm going to ask if you can, just close your eyes, bow your head. It's not more spiritual. It's just a moment of privacy between you and the person next to you. And I'm just going to have two groups that I just want to encourage today. The first is this. If you've come in here and you've never chosen to follow Jesus. You haven't walked with him. But today you're hearing the reality that there is a God who is still at work in the midst of all the things you are going through. That when you don't know what's going on, there is a God who still cares. There is a God who is working these things out for good. There is a God who wants to bring clarity to your despair. There is a God who cares for you in the midst of your greatest mistakes. If today you're saying, I want to follow that Jesus. Jesus, I want to reach out and grab your hand and have you start to lead me. God, I will be still before you. If that's you on the count of three, just raise a hand saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. One, two, 
three, if that's you, you're just saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I'm reaching my hand out and I'm saying, God, I will be still in the midst of this life. God, life has been hitting me hard. I'm just trying to take these steps. God, right now, I just pray you be with every single one of them. Wash over them, Jesus. Give them a sense of your peace and your comfort today. Help them in the midst of what they're walking through. In your name, Jesus. The second group, you've been walking with Jesus, but you're having things go on right now that you can't explain, and you haven't had the strength to be still. Maybe you're struggling to still see God in the midst of it. And today you're just saying, I need strength like Joseph had. Where I sit back, I lean in, and I say, Jesus, what are you doing? If that's you today, you need God's strength to be still in the midst of your circumstances. Just raise up a hand. One, two, three. You need that strength. He wants to meet you. He wants to give it to you. Lord Jesus, right now, you know every single circumstance represented in this room. Lord, so for every hand, may you meet Every one of these people, God, you love and care for them so much. And help them have the strength to slow down, to be still, to not just try to fill the moments with their own reactions, but look and say, God is still God in the midst of this thing I'm walking through, and God, I will trust you to work. That they won't even look and say, God, what is the perfect thing I can do? They'll do the best thing they can to honor you, though, Jesus. Give them the strength. And Lord, for every one of us in here, during this season, may we not forget the reality of what you're doing that you have great things for us, Jesus, that you want to move inside each and every one of us, Lord. In your name, amen, amen, amen. We're going to take a time. We're going to worship. If you're watching in the tradition service, they're going to take over for you guys right now. But right now in here, this isn't just a closing song that we then walk out to and that sort of a thing. This is a time to lean in. So as we worship for one final moment, lean in. Maybe you need that strength. Ask God for it right now.